Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church plant located in the beautiful city of Frisco, Texas. We pray that the following message will bless your life and help you to a dynamic and powerful walk with Christ. If you have any questions about our church and about who we are, please feel free to visit our website, citychurchfrisco.org, or feel free to email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. Thanks for listening. Father, we come before your presence at this moment. We thank you, Lord, once again for your spirit in this place. Uh, We truly believe, Lord, that where your spirit is, there is freedom. There is freedom from sin. There is freedom from oppression. There is freedom from attitudes. There is freedom from uh, the evil that lurks um, many times in our own hearts. And we trust, Lord, that you are with us every step of the way. And we believe, Lord, with all our hearts that there is freedom in your house, that there is freedom in your presence, and that your gospel, that your uh, sacrifice on that cross, Lord, came to give us salvation for those of us who accept it in Jesus' name. Thank you once again for everything you're doing. We ask you, Lord, do you speak for you to speak into our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God a hand, praise. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Um, as I was saying, we're, we're in the last week of our sermon series, message series of I Have Decided. And we, we started this sermon series a few weeks ago. I was talking about, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into February. We are um, getting into a point where our New Year's resolutions are rapidly, rapidly fading away from us. Yes, we started tr- strong. We started with conviction, you know, whether it was to lose weight or whether it was to um, be more spiritual this year and pray every day and read the Bible every day. We begin to see that there's challenges that arise. There is just life that begins to happen. There is busyness that surrounds us. There is noise that is around us that we begin to waver in some of our resolutions. Amen. And um, I, I was saying that if we begin to waver in some of these resolutions that we make in the beginning of the year, I believe that there are four decisions, four goals, four resolutions that you and I can make that will truly impact the rest of this year for us and that truly will change our lives. And the first decision I asked you to make was, I have decided to follow Jesus. I mean, We're at church. That is going to be the first decision we ask you to make, right? I have decided to follow Jesus. We need, and if we were going to follow Jesus, we needed to know who Jesus was. Is we needed to get closer to Him. We needed to. uh, We we invited you to take the gospel challenge with us and. Um, and just speaking with some of you, some of you are going through your gospel challenge. It was to read all four gospels in 30 days by reading three chapters a day, and you'd be done uh, with uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John. But some of others, uh, other ones have kind of struggled with this because, again, we get busy, and by the time you know it, the day has gone by, and it's like, oh, I forgot to do my Bible reading. And it's okay. God still loves you, we still love you, but we encourage you that if we are going to follow Jesus, we need to know how Jesus lived. We need to know the words that he preached. We need to know his commandments for our lives. We need to grow closer to him. The second week we talked about that we've made the decision, I have decided to be a great friend. Because when you and I love God... 
the, the next thing that begins to happen in our lives is that that person in our lives that maybe we kind of had a difficult time with, they begin to seem to appear a little bit sweeter and we, we begin to feel uh, full of love. And I know some of you are like, no, not really. <laughs> not that person, not this person, but Jesus is still working on you, okay? It's okay. But Jesus said, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love your God. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. But I give you a second command that is like the first one. Love your neighbor. Love one another as you love yourself. So it goes hand in hand. If you say that I'm going to follow Jesus, then you got to learn how to be a great friend. It's something that flows from within because the Holy Spirit begins to change our hearts and to see things from a different perspective. And last week we talked about that we've decided to live by faith and not by sight. And this has been something very real in our lives and something we've been discussing with Pastor Lunsford, how, how even though uh, we know what the Word of God says, even though we know the right things to say, even though we know how we should live our lives, living by faith is a challenge. Living by faith is a challenge, yet it's a challenge that God, that Jesus said, this is how you must live. You must follow me even though no one wants to follow at times. You must serve me even though there are difficulties in our lives. You must take up your cross. Die to yourself. Live by faith and not by sight. Today we are going to talk about the decision that you and I have to make that I have decided to worship Instead of worry. I have decided to worship instead of worry. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 where you're sitting. You can uh, look for it in your, in your Bibles or tap to it on your phones. Or we'll have it up here on the screen. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. The word of God says. Therefore I tell you. Do not worry. Everybody say worry. Do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. Well, that sounds really good. Jesus is telling us, do not worry about life. Do not worry about what you're going to eat later today. Don't worry about whether you're going to have some water or something to drink today. Don't worry about those things. But the reality is that we live in a life with so much stress and busyness and and things that are happening and so many decisions that we make that at times we can't help but worry. This past Thursday, I I took 
my, uh, my certification test at work, and uh, it's been about a year going on that I've been having to take this test, and, and I have been worrying about this for the past year. I know you guys have noticed, but I've lost a little bit of hair, and it's part of that, okay? I've been stressed out. I've been worrying. And when I got there on Thursday, I stayed up Wednesday late till like almost past midnight, 12, 31 o'clock. I knew I should have gotten a good night's rest, but I was worried about taking this test because it meant or it means a lot because it means a little, a little bit better pay at work. It means that I have a, a bit of a higher position. It means that my job is a little bit more secure because I'm, I'm now I'm certified. And not only that, I'm more marketable. And um, I remember I was worrying and I was worrying. And I finally got to the test testing center in Arlington. I drove over there. I got there like an hour and a half early. And I walked in because I wasn't sure how the test was going to be, if it was going to be pencil and paper or if it was going to be on a computer so I walk in and I and I ask him so uh, about this test how, how is it how do I take it <clears throat> is it going to be a computer or do I need pen, pencil and paper I don't have any I need to go buy some tell me about the test and he says no it's on a computer he, then he asked me are you ready to take it and my answer to him was no, I need to go study some more. <laughs> I got an hour and a half. That's why I got here early. I'm going to go to Starbucks and study some more. Cram all this information into my, into my brain. But as I, I was walking out into the, to the car to go drive off to find a, a Starbucks, I, 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 something just told me, you know what, Daniel? This is as good as it's going to get. Just go. Do it. Figure it out. God's going to help you. And I just thought, well, why am I wasting even more time? Let me just go at it, get this over with, and move past this. Well, I, I go in. They give me four hours to take this test. One hour later, I'm done. Not because I'm a whiz, <laughs> because I was confident about anything. But as I submitted the, the final question and I pushed end, I said, this is going to be awful. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be devastating to me. I'm going to be told how much more work I need to do, how much more worrying I need to do. Then I, I go to the desk, and he tells me, you're done already? <laughs> like, yes, sir, I'm done. I said, I'm not expecting great things here, so just give me what's going to happen. He prints out the answers, and there was three sections in the test, and I have to pass all three with a 70 or higher. Believe me, I was shooting for a 70. I wasn't shooting for an A. I was tr not trying to impress anybody with my testing skills. First thing I noticed was 175. Praise God, I passed the anatomy section. I passed one section. The other two sections, I didn't pass. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the scores on those. Those are personal scores, okay? But after I sat there and I looked at the scores, I thought, all this time worrying about taking this test, causing tension in my own life, and causing all this, this undue load and burden on me when I could have taken this test about six, seven months ago, 
realize that it's not as difficult as I thought. Now that I have a good idea of what I need to study, and I know that in 30 days when I have to retake those two sections, thank God I only have to do the two sections I didn't pass, but I know that in Jesus' name I'm going to pass it no problem because I took that step. And I realized that worrying was not helping me. What I needed to do was go and see what I needed to do to form a game plan, to form a plan of attack. And see, Jesus says here, don't worry about life. And Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I could have been done with this a long time ago. But because of worrying, because of fear of what may happen, and my own fear of being told you're just not smart enough, I've wasted a good seven to eight months, which was the first thing my wife told me, you wasted eight months, nothing. Thank you for the encouragement. Amen. But Jesus said, how many of you, by worrying, have added a single minute, a single hour to your life? And see, the truth is, church, that I, I was made, you were made, not for worry, but I was made for worship. I was not made for worry, but I was made for worship. See, here's the thing. Worry, the word worry, the action of of being worried is rooted in four things. Is rooted in doubt. Is rooted in insecurities. Is rooted in fear. And is rooted in self. But worship is the complete opposite. Worship is rooted in confidence. Worship is rooted in security. Worship is rooted in love. And worship ultimately is rooted in God. See, when you and I worry, when you and I are anxious over things in our lives, the reality, what we're saying is that, God, you are not big enough to handle this, and I need to handle this. We are looking inwards. We're looking at what we can do to achieve that, what we want to obtain. But when you and I just raise our hands and let go and let God, and we just say, God, you have control over everything. Our worship then is reflecting upwards to God. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the old mindset was that I have to do everything. That it's got to be in my strength. It's got to be in my capacity. It's got to be in my ability. But see, when our minds are renewed, and when we come close to God, and when we understand who God is in our lives, we begin to understand that it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about your neighbor. But it's about what God, the all-powerful creator, the man that created you, that created the universe, that created the suns and the stars, it's about what He can do in our lives. 
So then worship is not rooted in us. It's, it's rooted in God. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, I mentioned this just a minute ago. Uh, the, uh, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And, uh, and as we read this, I believe there's a few things that we can learn from this and that we can look at. That, that you and I can begin to worship instead of worrying. And, and the first thing is that I can worship instead of worry when, number one, I express my affection to God. See, Mark 12, 30 says, with all your heart, love God with all your heart, with all your soul. So the question we must ask ourselves, church, the question that we need to meditate on is, what do I love most? See, if I'm going to worship instead of worrying, we need to set our priorities. We need to look at our list of priorities and understand in our own lives, in our own heart, deep down in the recesses of our soul, what are those things that we truly, truly love most? And those things that I love most, are they expressing affection to God or are they expressing affection to me? really all about God in my life? Is it really all about Jesus in my life? Or is it really all about me? What do I love most? Do I love going to work? Okay, I love going to work. Some of you say, no, I hate going to work. But if you love going to work, what is the reason behind your love towards work? How is it glorifying God? How is it bringing honor to God? How is it lifting up the name of Jesus in your life? What about, I love the most in the whole wide world, my family. Well, that's a great thing to love, but how are you making sure that your family is expressing affection to God? How are you making sure that your family is uplifting the name of Jesus? We have to examine those things that we love the most. Some of you may say, well, I love my car a lot. Or I love the Dallas Cowboys a lot. Although they let us down a lot. How does that love express affection to God? How, how are we showing God that we truly love him with all our hearts and with all of our souls? The second thing I think we see in this verse is that I can worship instead of worry when I fix my thoughts on God. That's what Jesus said, love the Lord with all your mind. So the question becomes, what do I think about most? Come on, church. What do you think about most? And some of us are, are like, thank God there are no mind readers. Thank God no one can look into my head because even I scare myself sometimes with my thoughts. But we need to reflect upon this. 
Where are my thoughts going every morning? Where are my thoughts uh, focused on throughout the day? The first thing in the morning when I open my eyes and I turn over, what is the first thing that I do? Is it the first thing I do reach out for my phone and want to check my Facebook feed? Or is the first thing that I think about when I wake up in the morning is just how grateful I am towards God. And I can't wait to get the day started because it's another opportunity to witness about God. It's another opportunity to love my God. It's another opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. And I want to spend time with him. I want to worship and I want to read his word. What? Do I think about most? And the reality is that we, we do struggle with our thoughts. We struggle with our, our minds. And, and we have to learn to bring our minds under submission to the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when you and I are struggling with our thoughts, when you, are, you and I are struggling with our minds, we have to learn to, to, to take those thoughts, to, think, to take those things in our head and, and, and hold them captive and obedient to Christ. Well, that sounds good, Pastor, but how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was talking with, with somebody, and, and, and I, they were expressing how they struggle with their thoughts and, and some of the things that go on in their heart. And I was saying, you know, when, when that happens in your life, you don't have to live through this alone. You know, we, we have these devices that put us into contact immediately with someone that can help us. You first, you should pray to God and say, God, I, I rebuke these thoughts. I rebuke this mindset. And you can reach out to me. You can reach out to a brother. You can reach out to your wife. You can reach out to your husband. You can reach out to somebody and say, I need prayer at this moment. You expose that thought. See, secrets have power over us because they're secrets. The more we hide it the more power it has over us. But the moment that you and I expose it, we bring it to the light, it loses its hold on us. And we have to learn to take these secret thoughts in our minds and and we need to bring them captive before God. And we help each other out as a community. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go tell all these people your, your, your business and your issues and your thoughts. What I'm saying is that you need to find someone you can trust. And that's what we're trying to build here at this church. A, a community where there's a group of men that can trust each other. A community where there's a group of ladies that can trust each other. A, a community where there's a, a group of young people that can trust those men that are in the church. Uh, these young ladies that can trust the ladies in the church to, to give them advice, to mentor, and to pray for one another. We have to fix our thoughts on God. 
So I can worship instead of worry when I express my affection to God. I can worship instead of worry when I fix my thoughts on God. And the last thing that I see on this, in this verse is that I can worship instead of worry when I use my abilities for God. Jesus said, love the Lord with all your strength. So then the question we must ask ourselves is, what do I do most? What do I do most? What is my life consumed with? What is it where I spend my time? Colossians 3.23, Paul is saying, do everything that you do as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Everything, everything is the moment you wake up, the moment you get ready, the moment you step out of your house, the moment that you give a, a hug and a kiss to your children as they go off to school, that moment when you get to work. Everything that you and I do, we have to find ways to do it as unto the Lord. That moment that you decide, I'm going to go fishing, and I say that because there's someone that likes to fish here. I'm going to do it. Unto the Lord. When I brush my teeth, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Everything, even the most mundane, even the most uh, trivial of things that you may think they are, we should always be conscious of our actions and what we're doing that it can bring honor and glory to our God. We should give our best unto the Lord. Okay, when we come to church, uh, we should find ways to worship God and just give the best worship that we have that day to the Lord. You know what? Uh, many times I've heard this say, said, and, and we, should, we should really think about it. If you and I are just going to come to church and sit on our hands, then what is the purpose? What is the point? But if you and I have made the decision to come and fill these seats, that you and I come and we make sure that we raise our hands, that we lift our voice, that we join along in prayer, that we join along in singing, so that everything that I do, I do it unto the Lord. Because it's for Him. It's not about me. We're going to read a section of, of the Bible in Acts chapter 16. If you want to open your Bibles there. Verse 24. Just to give you a little bit of context. context uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse uh, 24. We find Paul and we find Silas. They've been beaten because of the word of God. They've been flogged. They've been whipped because they've been testifying about Jesus. See, and in verse 24, it says that when he received these orders, the jailer, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and were singing songs to God and the other Prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Verse 
Verse 27, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs. What must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. We got to understand that it doesn't matter the situation that we are going through. Most likely none of you are going to get flogged this week. Most likely none of you are going to get beaten over over your, uh, your faith. But we have to understand that even though circumstances do beat us down, even though circumstances do feel like they're just sucking all the life out of us, that it's through these circumstances that God can use our testimony when you and I are continuing to pray, when you and I are continuing to worship. It doesn't matter the pain that you and I have gone through. It doesn't matter the hurt that's been done to us. But when you and I can raise our hands, you and I can jump up and down and give honor and glory to God, you do not know who is watching you and will ask you, Sir... What can I do to have what you have? Because at the end of the day, the mission that we have as a church is not just to gather and have a good time. The mission that we have as a church is to go out into the world and to preach the gospel and to baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ that they may repent of their sins and that they may come to the Lord. But when life beats us down and and there is no difference between us and those in the world, what testimony does that give? We come to church and what a mighty God we serve. Lifeless. Out of tune, out of time. No. What testimony does that give? But you know what? I lost a beloved member of my family, but I can still stand up in church. I can still raise my hands. I can still jump up and down. I can still run for his honor, for his glory, and I can still give him the honor. Because I know at the end of the day that God is greater than any circumstance in my life. The doctor just gave me bad news. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be at church on Sunday. I'm going to be the first one at that door. And I'm going to say, Pastor, what can I do to help? Let me set up some chairs. Let me tear down some chairs. Let me do something for my God. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter if you you think your relationship is dying. It doesn't matter. When you and I learn to worship, when you and I learn to pray in that midnight hour when all hope seems lost, 
Life has beaten us down. Life has just squeezed everything out of us. It doesn't matter. We can lift our hands and we can worship. I don't know if there are two or three people that can stand up right now and just give God some honor. Give God the glory. Can you stand up? Can you raise your hands and say, thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, right now I'm going through a difficult circumstance. Yes, Lord, right now it doesn't seem like day is coming. It feels like I've been in the nighttime for the past hours. It feels like I've been lost. It feels like I have no direction. But here I am in your presence. I raise my hands. I raise my voice. I give you honor. I give you glory. I surrender all to you because only you, Lord, can change the situation. Only you, Lord, can control what's going on. You are sovereign in my life. You are great in my life. You are wonderful in my life. And here I am to worship you. Here I am to bow down and to recognize who you are. See, church, worship changes our perspective. Worship removes moves our focus from our problems. Worship moves our focus from ourselves and it focuses us on God. God is greater than anything in our life. God is greater than any circumstance. God is great. So I wonder, is there someone today that can make this decision with me? That this year, from this moment, I decide to worship instead of worry. It doesn't matter. There's been some layoffs at work and I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm going to let go of that because I know God will provide. I'm not sure where I need to go. I'm not sure where I need to move. It doesn't matter. I'm going to let all go, all that go and I'm just going to trust in God. I choose to worship. Come on, church. I'm going to open up this altar. If you choose to worship today, if you choose to just love on God, stop looking at your circumstances. Come on up. Let's worship the Lord in this moment. Let's give God all the honor. Let's give God all the glory. He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. Yes, Lord. Come on, church.